Welcome to Leadership Matters, the Grace Fellowship podcast, where our goal is to help you lead with greater clarity and passion to fulfill the vision that God has given to you. Here's your host, Garland Vance. Hey, welcome to Leadership Matters, episode four. I'm your host, Garland Vance, and I am super glad that you're here. I can't wait to share with you today's guest and topic. You know, we live in a busy society, and uh, as a leader, you have extra responsibilities that are on your plate. And the tendency for a lot of leaders is to work harder, to work longer hours, and to try to fit all of their commitments into their busy, packed, scheduled lives. And as noble as this desire may be, today's guest is going to help us see that Christian leaders are called to a different kind of leadership and a different pace of leadership. Today's guest is Alan Fadling. Alan is the president and founder of Unhurried Living Incorporated in Mission Viejo, California, which inspires people to rest deeper, live fuller, and lead better. Alan speaks and consults uh, both nationally and internationally. Uh, he's worked with Saddleback Church, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, Crew, Halftime Institute, uh, just to name a few. And he's also the author of two books. His first book is called An Unhurried Life, and it was published in 2013 by InterVarsity Press. An Unhurried Life actually was honored with the Christianity Today Award of Merit in Spirituality. And then in 2017, Alan published his second book, An Unhurried Leader. And that's what I've asked him to come and share uh, today. So with that in mind, let's jump in to the conversation with Alan Fadling. Alan, thanks so much for being here and for being a, a part of the Leadership Matters podcast. It's a treat to have you here. Well, thanks for the invitation. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Great. Well, hey, let's go ahead and, and jump in. What do you think is the problem with being a hurried leader? Yeah, well, I think it may help just to sort of unpack a little bit about what I mean when I say unhurried, because I think that'll help us and help your listeners think about this idea of the opposite, which is, of course, a hurried leader. So when I say unhurried, I'm not meaning necessarily, you know, uh, reduce the number of things in your calendar or cut your to-do list in half Really, I'm talking more about the inner life of a leader. And so there's all kinds of things that move us and motivate us. We might even say drive us. And some of those things are good and resonate with the kingdom, and some of them not so much. So, for example, there have been times when my leadership has been driven by anxiety. And anxiety has a way of getting me moving and, and driving me in certain ways. But even though it gets me working hard and getting lots of things done, it's usually not producing the kind of fruit I'd really like to produce in my life and in my leadership. Or if it's not anxiety, sometimes, if I'm honest, sometimes it's anger. I'm frustrated. I'm, and so I'm, I'm working hard to fix something that's bothering me. 
And so that anger can make me a hurried leader or sometimes some form of greed or acquisitiveness can drive me in my leadership. And so in those cases, I think that what my life's about and what will make my life meaningful is out there somewhere. And I know need to go out and get some more of it. And so these are some of the inner dynamics that I think rush us, hurry us. And I don't think when we, if we sit and think about it, I don't think it's really what we want to be about. So when you then talk about being a, a hurried leader, it sounds like hurriedness is really kind of a, a fruit, but there's a, a root that's, or there can be a variety of roots that are actually much deeper that are driving the hurry. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. You know, again, I, you know, I work with a lot of leaders. We're, we're busy people. You know, it's pretty important to me that we not confuse busy and hurried. They're not really the same thing. Busy, that's just a matter of calendar. We can be busy. Jesus was at many points in his life busy. Hurried, that's a matter of soul. That's something that's going on inside of me. And as you said, there are all kinds of different realities or dynamics that can accelerate my soul, that can hurry me inside. Hmm. Good insight. So what do you think are some of the characteristics of a hurried leader? Yeah, I, in my book, An Unhurried Leader, I kind of had fun with that. There's a wonderful line, kind of an unexpected line about leadership in Isaiah 30 verse 15. It's the line that says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. I don't know if many of us who are leaders would think of qualities like repentance, rest, quietness, and trust as being critical, key leadership, you know, qualities, you know. (laughs) Just be honest about that. You know, if, if you pick up a book at the airport on leadership, probably they're not talking about these things. But if you think of the two words that Isaiah uses, These are the places where we find salvation and strength. Now, those are leadership words. Salvation says there's there's a problem that needs to be solved. Strength says we want power to be able to take productive and fruitful action. And what God says through Isaiah is the place we find those things are in places like repentance, rest, quietness, trust. And so I played with those a little, and I said that rather than fill their lives with noise, unhurried leaders make time for silence in which to listen. That's quietness. Um, Rather than allowing anxiety to drive them, unhurried leaders learn to depend on a reliable God who invites them to join a good kingdom work already well underway. There's trust. Uh, Rather than tackle self-initiated projects under the guise of doing them for God, unhurried leaders humbly orient themselves to the leader of all, taking their cues from him. There's repentance. And then finally, unhurried leaders learn how to rest as hard as they work. There, of course, is, is rest. So those are some of the ways I think of the contrast between hurried and unhurried leaders. So let me um, just make this a little personal to our readers. What is What do some of those things look like for you in your life when you think about uh, rest or quietness? I won't ask you about uh, repentance, but yeah. rest and quietness and, and trust. What does that look like for you? How have you organized uh, the rhythms of life so that your soul is one that's living with quietness and trust and rest. 
Yeah, I think all four of those are perfectly fair game. Repentance, rest, quietness, trust. I think all of them get at the question of who is real, whose kingdom is this about? And a lot of times in leadership, I have to be honest, uh, it's been about my kingdom. Now, in my case, I've been a pastor. And then more recently, I've been, um, you know, a trainer, a mentor, working in nonprofit arenas. And still, even though supposedly what I'm doing is for God, sometimes I've wanted to build my own little kingdom for God. And of course, I wanted to honor him and I want somehow him to be blessed by it. But when I come to words like repentance, rest, quietness, trust, all of those point to a kind of orientation and leadership where I'm actually seeking God's kingdom first. In a sense, that's really what repentance is. Repentance isn't mostly about the stuff I'm turning from. Of course, it involves that, but it's so much more about who I'm turning to. And as a Christian leader, as a leader in the kingdom, I'm always having to reorient myself to what does it look like for me to live this leadership life with a vision of God before me? Instead of living this leadership life with all my projects and plans and, and, and such, that I'm going to do for God as though in some odd way God was sort of three states away at the home office and we don't see each other very often. You know, I'm off here doing my thing for him. To me, repentance says I'm looking to him. I'm turning toward him. And when I do that, some of the ways that looks is things like quietness or rest or trust. Those are all to me ways in which I am with God. That quietness is a kind of peace. You know, uh, as we're recording this, it's Advent, you know, Prince of Peace. That's not just a nice thing for Christmas cards. That is a wonderful reality for Christian leaders. Or rest. Um, in my first book, An Unhurried Life, I argue that although our culture tends to see work as coming first and rest being the thing uh, what I would say is rest sort of the thing you collapse into when you can't work anymore. I think the bi biblical rhythm really begins with rest and that good work grows out of rest. And so, again, that's one of the ways I see rest. But so those four qualities, those are some of the ways that they've sort of taken shape for me. That's that's great. Um, I imagine that a lot of leaders, uh, myself included, really struggle with this. You know, there's a there's a, a hill to climb or a mountain to to climb and a um, a big vision to conquer, and yet you're you're calling God's people to say, no. At first, it starts first with repentance and trust and quietness and and rest. That's a um, it's very countercultural. Um, but I appreciate you so much in the effort to draw us back into a biblical vision of, uh, of leadership in that. Um, so let me ask, do you think that, um, that hurriedness is more about a stage of life? So, um, uh, you know, maybe maybe parents of young children struggle more with hurriedness than those people who are retired. So is, is hurriedness more about a stage of life than about a disposition of the heart? Yeah, it's a fair question. You know, I mean, obviously, if you think about young leaders, you know, uh, there's a reality of youth that I remember being a leader in my 20s. I just had energy coming out my ears. I, I could go all day long. I could burn the midnight oil day after day after day. So, 
you know, there's a capacity for a certain kind of hurry that's possible in your youth. But that being said, I have had conversations with leaders in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And in fact, every single stage of life has its reasons to hurry. I, for example, I've talked to retired uh, leaders who spent their life in business, and they will say this sentence to me. This happens over and over again. I've never been more busy. And, and, and they're using that word busy as a synonym, synonym for, for hurry. They mean they still feel hurried. There was nothing magic about entering retirement that ended their wrestling with hurry. So I've come to believe that hurry is a lifelong issue for many of us who would call ourselves leaders. I think it's also a multi multicultural issue. I've run into leaders on nearly every continent, and this is a reality, especially for leaders in urban contexts, larger city contexts. I've also come to believe that hurry is not just a modern problem, but I've found quotes about hurry from the 19th and the 18th and the 12th centuries. And so it looks different. It maybe has a different flavor, but it's, it's a human reality that we have this temptation to run ahead of God, to grab something for ourselves that God is wanting to extend to us generously. And uh, so I hope that answers the question. It's just, I think hurry is a universal sort of challenge. Right. And it, it sounds like um, what I hear you saying here, Alan, is that maybe the problem isn't that God is running so fast that we can't keep up with him, but that we're running so fast that he's too slow for us uh, a lot of times. And we have to slow our pace of life and slow our hearts and our minds uh, to a pace where we can walk at the pace of God. Is that is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love the word walk, you know, walk means walk. It actually means walk. You know, it doesn't mean run. It doesn't mean sprint. There's times to run. There's times to sprint. I'm not against that kind of thing. But but just as a life orientation, I think I, I love the image of walking with God. You know, in the first book, I, I really, in a number of chapters, tried to unpack how I think Jesus is unhurried in a way that's a beautiful invitation to us, that he's he's unhurried enough, no matter how crowded the crowds get, he's unhurried enough to step away and be with the Father. And remember that who he is is not uh, given to him by the crowds. It's the Father who gives him his name. You're my beloved son. He keeps making time for that. We get busy. And one of the things for Christian leaders that can often get squeezed out when we're busy is just unhurried time to enjoy God's presence. Now, he didn't make us first to be servants. He made us first to be sons and daughters. And that's easy to forget. You know, that the service we do, we do as sons and daughters. What a great honor that is. What a great invitation. And so, you know, he's unhurried enough to make time for the Father. He's unhurried enough Hurried enough to stop for the person who crosses his path, even though the disciples have somewhere they're trying to get. <laughs> he just keeps stopping, you know. He, and why? Because Jesus knows that the kingdom is about people. When I get hurried, more and more of my leadership starts to feel like it's about things, not about people. The things of structures and the things of strategies and the things of programs and the, all the different you know, things of budgets and 
All of those are important things. All of those are there to help serve, though, the people. Right. Ministries about people. And Jesus knows this. He realizes this. He remembers this. And he lives at the pace of love. And therefore, he has time for people that the Father brings across his path. So that's a little bit about how I see this unhurried leadership, you know, bearing fruit in practical ways. Sure. That's good. So, Alan, what do you think are some of the benefits that you've seen in your life or in other people's lives as they've become unhurried leaders? Yeah, I I think there's a number of ways I see this approach helping. I mean, one would be I run into a lot of tired and drained leaders, you know, and it's not because they have too much work. You know, when Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, he he actually means it. (laughs) I I think um, what's made the yoke feel heavier to me is when I'm taking on more than he's given me to do. Or when I've added my own anxiety to that yoke, it begins to feel far more burdensome. And so I think it's actually possible to lead well from a place of peace. I remember hearing Dallas Willard once say, you know, anything you could do in anxiety, you could do a lot better in peace. (laughs) And, you know, to be honest, I had to wrestle with that because I'd... I'd sometimes thought my anxiety was kind of an engine to get me moving and get things done. And if it is fuel for an engine, it's a fuel that makes the engine run dirty. And uh, I just don't think it bears the kind of lasting fruit I'd really love to be about. So I think peace as a, as a place to live and to lead is one of the benefits. A, a number of other benefits I see you know, when we slow down, we see more. I think we become more strategic when we slow down. I think when we're running crazy, we become tunnel visioned and we only see the next thing in front of us. We don't sort of get a lay of the land and we don't sort of see the people around us. We don't see the path ahead because our heads are down and we're just rushing the next task. So I think strategy and, and creativity comes when we slow down a little I also think, you know, leadership is something that happens in teams. It happens in community. And I think the relationships that we have in leadership, whether they're people to whom we're accountable or people alongside whom we work or the people that we serve in our businesses, in our ministries, wherever it might be, when we slow down, we have time for those relationships. When we get rushed, we start Sadly, we sometimes start seeing people as assets and resources instead of people. Right. And a people-focused way of seeing things is one of the great fruits of slowing down just a little bit and learning to live at the pace of Jesus. That's great. So peace, the ability to see more, greater creativity, better community, and becoming more people-focused. That sounds like a great, uh, some great benefits to leading well and some kingdom-focused uh, benefits. How would a leader begin to recognize if, if they're living at a hurried pace or maybe have even taken on more than they can, can handle right now? What would a leader need to do to recognize that? Yeah, I think it's a good question. You know, I I think of the metaphor of you're driving your car and a red light comes on. 
And uh, that red light's trying to tell you something isn't quite right. And so I think if we think of our lives as leaders and we think of some of the red lights that might pop up on our dashboard, I think some of the things we've already talked about, I think anxiety is one of the red lights that can pop up. I think uh, we need to be honest if we're, if we're running on anxiety, if anxiety is fueling a lot of what we're doing. And, and, and it may take us taking a step back to ask that question honestly. You know, when you're in a hurry, the other thing that happens is you lose touch with the realities of what's going on inside of you. You're just sort of skimming the surface instead of tapping into this, this, the deep realities of life that really for a kingdom leader, for a Christian leader, is what should, could be moving us and motivating us and energizing us as we make our way forward. So I think anxiety, I think another big one is anger. You know, when we've got a lot of responsibility and we've got a lot of people, we're wanting to have them do certain things. We've got goals that we're trying to reach and we're not making enough progress toward those goals. We start getting angry at people. We have to ask ourselves, is that anger really serving God's purposes? Or is that really more about my kingdom is threatened and uh, what I had planned, of course, for God. Of course it was for God. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We all know that, you know, but I am so angry. I just, I run into a lot of leaders in church contexts, in nonprofit contexts, and Christians leading in business contexts, and anger drives sometimes a lot of what they do. And they don't mean it to, they don't really sort of see the connection between that and the problems that it raises for a Christian leader leading in a kingdom context. But I think if you find that you're angry a lot, that's probably a red light on the dashboard about how you're pacing your life. And the vision of what you do is really more of a personal vision than maybe a a reflection of a God vision. So anxiety, anger, I think greed, you know, we live in a world that tells us we are what we do. We are what we acquire and we are what people say about us. And all of those in some ways or another sort of rooted in a kind of my identity's out there somewhere. I need to do more to get it. I need to get more to have it. I need more people impressed by what I do. Then I'll have an identity. Then I'll matter. And all of those things, as they're sort of rooted in a kind of greed, a kind of uh, more of something out there will make me feel meaningful. I think that's a red light on the dashboard because I think we're invited to lead from a place of security rather than leading toward a place of security. We're supposed to take security into our leadership instead of doing all these things to try and establish some feeling of security or meaning. You know, a lot of times we do what we do to try and get meaning, but I think we need to bring meaning to our leadership. We already have the most meaningful identity you could possibly have if we name ourselves as followers of Jesus. We are his brother. We are sons of his father. I can't think of a better identity than that. I can't think of anything I'd rather put on my resume than something like that. I actually think that matters. It's not just a nice religious idea. It is a potent kingdom reality for us as leaders. Yeah, and the way that that changes how we lead 
rather than leading from a place of scarcity where I have to go get my meaning and I have to go get my significance to say, oh, I have all of those resources in the world already been given to me and I can take those wherever I go. That, that really, I can just imagine the immense change that that brings to uh, not just to the leader, but to the team that they're leading or the ministry or the whole organization when there is a mentality of we have all the resources in the world, we have all the meaning, all the significance in the world has been given to us, that um, there's a calmness and a peace that comes from that. Um, Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So, one of the things I appreciate so much about uh, unhurried leadership is um, that you make it clear it's not really a step-by-step process, right? It's not just do this one thing and then the next thing will happen, right? But yeah. I think there are some actions that people can take um, that will that they can take with God to help them move toward becoming uh, unhurried. So mm-hmm. tell us what, what some of those actions are that you've seen that are helpful. Yeah, I think maybe uh, a framework I could give or a, a, another little metaphor would be the just simple metaphor of breathing, right? Breathing has two movements. This is not rocket science. We all do it all day long, right? I mean, and there's the exhale and there's the inhale. And I think a lot of times the way we think about our leadership is that we mostly think about the exhale side of dynamic. So we're doing things. We're putting things out there. We're engaging. Breathing only works if you also inhale. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, just for fun, you know, sometime try and sit there and exhale once and then exhale again without inhaling and then try to exhale one more time. And pretty soon you'll pass out, you know. That's, to me, it's a metaphor for then the question, what will it look like for me as a Christian leader to build in a sense of inhale, exhale, in the way I live and in the way I lead. And so inhale might look like certain kinds of spiritual practices, like taking a moment or two to just be quiet and still in the presence of God, to not always be about talking, but occasionally taking moments to be a listener, listener to God, listener to God in scripture, listener to people, you know, being able to listen to the needs of the people I serve in the context of leadership so that I can lead better and more in harmony with who they actually are and what they actually need rather than just going with what I'm pretty sure they need because I haven't listened and I've got this great strategy for you, a wonderful plan for your life if only you'd listen to me, you know. Um, so inhaling, I mean, for me, I love beginning my day in the scriptures. I love to, but I love to come not as somebody who's preparing a message to teach somebody or looking for some great line to sort of write about, but to go there as a child listening for a loving father and assuming, and, 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 and in that, assuming that there'll also be something good for me that's going to help me in my leadership role for the day. There's going to be something like today that there was the line from Second Timothy. That's where I've been lately. And Paul urges Timothy to fan into flame the gift. And I was just thinking about that. I took about 10 or 15 minutes just to think about what would it look like today to fan into flame the gift God gave me for the service of his kingdom, to be a leader in this world on his behalf. And it was just an encouraging, sort of energizing place for me. It was more inhale 
you know, and then, yes, I looked at my day and I looked at my appointments and I looked at some of the tasks and projects I want to work on. But now I'm doing it, as you said a little earlier, now I'm doing it from abundance. Now I've got something extra here that I can pour into these conversations and these projects and these tasks and this planning. Um, that helps me. I also find that, you know, when you read the Gospels and you watch the life of Jesus, there's this amazing little line that shows up in various sorts of forms. Maybe the simplest one is Luke 5.16 says, right on the heels of verse 15, which is one of those verses where the crowds just keep coming. They just keep on coming to Jesus with all of their needs. And some of us can identify with days that feel like that. Right. The very next verse is the one that says, but... Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. That's actually a strategic leadership rhythm. You know, uh, the, the stepping back. Now, he says Jesus withdrew to lonely places to pray. And, you know, for, as leaders, sometimes we hear pray and we think, well, yeah, well, I should pray. Christians should pray. Leaders should pray. I just like to I like to uh, think of prayer in the line of a mentor of mine who said, you know, You've got to remember, prayer's not so much something you do as much as it is someone you're with. Hmm. That's what Jesus often withdrew to do, to be in some way or another with the Father. In the midst of all that he was doing, in the midst of fulfilling the mission the Father had given him, in the midst of all of the needs that would come his way more than he could ever humanly meet, because he decided to live his life humanly. Right. Powered by God, you know, he he decided to live with human limits and you know, all of that, just like we have to. And in the midst of those realities, he often withdrew to be with the Father. That's one of the things, it's my absolute favorite part of what I do as work is I come alongside Christian leaders to help them develop a deepening conviction that that rhythm is discipleship. It's a way of following the rhythm and pattern of Jesus, and it is genius if you'd like to live a fruitful kind of leadership in partnership with Jesus. That's great. Alan, thanks so much. Thanks for being here at, at the Leadership Matters podcast, but also thanks for your work with Christian leaders in helping us to live a, a different pace that's a more fruitful uh, pace. So if people want to learn more about um, about you or about um, an unhurried life or an unhurried leader, uh, tell them uh, where they should go. Yeah, well, I hope they'll come and visit us on our website at uh, unhurriedliving.com. We have a, a weekly podcast as well. Um, just go to the website slash um, podcast, or we also have a weekly mentoring email. They can also access on the website at backslash connect. Uh, those would be two resources we love providing for leaders. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks for your work. Thanks for your commitment to the kingdom that's challenging uh, me and challenging so many leaders to live a different pace. It was good to be with you, Garland. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.